We're starting this new series today called Soul Care. Uh, typically, we plan series around relevant topics and books of the Bible. In the past few summers, we've done that with two series from the book of Romans, talking about how God, how the good news, rather, of Jesus is for everyone and how that applies to everyone. And then last summer, we took time to look at the Gospel of Mark and how Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near and everyone is invited to participate. And those series went along with a foundational principle that as a pastor, I think that every church has to be intentionally prepared to welcome outsiders and be outward facing to the community. Because the gravitational pull of every church is towards the insiders. In other words, churches were never meant to be only about themselves, yet that's our tendency. And since churches all have this tendency to turn inward and focus on ourselves, and we need to be intentional about prioritizing, serving, and loving those outside the church. Now, with all that said, the church is also called to help the people inside the church to take steps in their faith journey. And for many of us inside the church, these past few months and years have been incredibly difficult. There have been deaths, health issues, family drama, job losses, financial losses, friends and family moving away, change, so much change. Add to that the fact that church, for many of us, is one of our sources for hope, joy, and refreshment. And that source has pivoted, adapted, shifted, and any other pandemic buzzword you can think of. And for those of us who know, we need regularly to gather together with other Jesus followers for meals and discussion. We understand that we need Sunday with God to be able to get through Monday through Saturday. And so this series is not, and at least part of the summer, is not going to be so much about reaching outward as much as taking care of our souls. So how do you know if you need some soul care? Well, are you feeling restless, discontent, hurting, lacking joy, maybe disconnected, maybe feeling like a failure? Because with where we are as a church and as a society, and after talking with some other pastors and mentors, it seems like this summer we should take some time to do some soul care as individuals and as a church. Now, to be very clear, this doesn't mean we're going to stop investing in relationships and opportunities with unchurched people. Actually, we're taking this time over the summer to care for our souls so that we can better love and serve those far from God. Because if we have empty and dry souls, we won't have much to offer those people. So for a series about soul care, we need to define what we're talking about so that we're all on the same page. Now, theologians and church leaders, they sort of debate a bit about the nature of the soul, but we're gonna sort of stay out of the weeds of all that. I'm gonna to try to give you an overview of the soul, how the authors of scripture talk about the soul, and then share a helpful paradigm shift that can help all of us have a healthier soul. One of the more popular passages about the soul actually comes from a conversation that Jesus had with a man about eternal life. Uh, we're going to start reading in Matthew, or rather Luke, I should say, Luke chapter 10. You can follow along the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have all the notes and verses on the screen as well. So again, Luke chapter 10, verse 27. The man answered Jesus, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this man talking to Jesus quotes an important verse from the Old Testament that identifies that humans are composed of different parts. And Jesus agrees with this man's recital of this Old Testament idea that we are heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the soul can often be referred to as the fullness of one's being, 
Uh, one way to think about it is concentric circles. Uh, the smallest circle is the will. You have choices and you can make decisions. And when God created humans in his image, he gave them a choice to choose for him or against him. You have will and that's part of what makes you in God's image. In addition to the will, you have the mind, which includes the decisions that you make and the thought process behind them. In addition to the mind, you have a body, and this is what you use to implement your decisions and your thoughts. And then holding all the soul, all that together is your soul. And the soul is what integrates each part, making you a complete person. And usually when the scriptures are talking about the soul, they're referring to the essence of you, the center of you, of who you are, the wholeness of who you are. Uh, Psalm 103, 1 says this, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Uh, Dallas Willard, philosopher and theologian, said this, What is running your life at any given moment is your soul, not external circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. The soul is the life center of human beings. So as we talk about soul care over the next several weeks, your soul is the core, the center of who you are. And if that's true, then my next question is incredibly important. And yet, you might be a little unsure of how to answer. How is your soul? This can be a confusing question, especially if you aren't working from the same understanding of what a soul is, but it is also a deeply personal question because this isn't just asking if you're having a good day. This is more than just asking if you were able to get your kids to school on time without any bloodshed. This is asking something that, that could include that, but is also much deeper than that. How is your whole self doing right now? Are you feeling aligned spiritually with your emotions, your thinking, and your behavior? It takes a lot of vulnerability and self-awareness to begin to answer those questions. And a lot of times our soul can be worn out, exhausted, weary, and we might not even realize it. Again, our souls can sort of feel dry or feel like they need more. And thankfully, we can look to Jesus for how to answer the question, how is my soul? That when Jesus was walking the planet, he talked about our souls and cared about our souls. Uh, people recognized that there was something about him that he had a closeness with God that most other people didn't. He was initially considered to be a rabbi, and so rabbis in the first century would have disciples or apprentices who would follow them around. And the rabbi would not just teach them what to believe, but how to live. And the rabbis taught the way of life that went way beyond what the scriptures say or a particular interpretation of the scripture. And the disciples or the apprentices would follow the rabbi everywhere to learn everything from the rabbi and do what the rabbi did. And it would include things like, what time did the rabbi wake up? Uh, when and how did the rabbi take his meals? Uh, how did they have conversations with people? And what were their relationships with others like? And there was a way of life that a rabbi had that sort of integrated their belief, their knowledge, and scripture into a way of living. And so if you were one of the rabbi's disciples, then you were to not just learn their beliefs, but their way. And rabbis would also call their way of life their yoke. And so if you followed after a rabbi, you would take his yoke upon you and live your life following the way of the rabbi. Matthew 11, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That the way of Jesus is good, 
for your soul, for your whole self? Many of us might answer the question, how is my soul, with some weariness, some exhaustion, some grief, and maybe being troubled. And so we're going to talk about this condition of our souls and then share a little helpful paradigm shift that can actually move us towards health. Uh, one way to describe this condition is soul exhaustion, right? Uh, interestingly, when we look at Jesus though, Jesus accomplished a great deal in his earthly ministry. And for the most part, he seemed to live his life in such a way that his soul was not regularly exhausted. So what can we learn about Jesus, uh, learn from Jesus rather, about soul exhaustion and how to avoid it? Well, several years ago, some psychologists noticed that a number of missionaries who they were working with were in various different countries trying to share the good news of Jesus. But they were burning themselves out within a couple years. Uh, they were doing a lot of great work, but then they would burn themselves out to where they couldn't serve anymore. And so the group of psychologists wondered, what were they doing wrong? Well, that group began looking at the teachings of Jesus, but also the way of Jesus, the, the way he lived his life, answering the question, what is it that Jesus did in order to keep his soul refreshed, even as he was going and doing so much? And they noticed a pattern in the Gospels that they labeled the cycle of grace. Uh, step number one, acceptance. And the starting point, as modeled by Jesus, is acceptance. Before Jesus did anything or accomplished anything, Jesus heard the voice of acceptance from his Father as demonstrated at his own baptism by John the Baptist. Jesus hadn't performed any miracles, hadn't fed the 5,000, basically hadn't done anything compared to what he would eventually do. And yet, in Matthew 3, we read this. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. That Jesus knew God loved him and called him his Son. That God was pleased with him apart from anything he accomplished or achieved. So the starting place for a soul that is nourished and healthy and not exhausted, the starting place is acceptance. The first thing the scriptures say about you is that you too are a beloved son or daughter of God and made in his image. That the first word about you isn't that you are a wretch, it isn't that you messed up, and it isn't that you have sinned. That's all true about all of us, but the first word about you is that you are accepted as a son or daughter of God. The second step in this cycle of grace is sustenance. After Jesus was baptized and publicly accepted, he was sustained by God while doing some pretty challenging and difficult things. So what does sustenance mean? Well, it refers to God providing those things that nourish us and keep us healthy. And what did that look like for Jesus? Well, he ate, he slept, he celebrated, he spent time with people he called his friends. He went into nature to, to be alone and talk with God. He went on long walks with his disciples. He had meals with people who were far from God. Those are just a few of the examples of the rhythms or of life or really the spiritual practices that kept Jesus going. Uh, John Ortberg, an author and former pastor in Menlo Park, says this, A common problem is that people think of spiritual practices as obligations that will actually drain them. And when in reality, spiritual practices and rhythms actually give you life and sustain you. And then step number three of this cycle of grace is significance. That Jesus' life wasn't significant primarily because of what he did, but because of who he was. Jesus' significance wasn't found in his busyness because his very presence carried the life and love of the Father. Before he ever did a miracle or gathered a crowd for teaching, Jesus was making an impact because of that built-in significance. Jesus knew who he was and what he came to do. 
He didn't have to strive more and do more in order to be significant. And then lastly, step number four is achievement. As a reaction sort of to our souls being dried up and, and seeing how overwork can cause problems, some people today have almost diminished the role of achievement in our world. And while achievement should be put in its place, notice it's actually last on this list, there is something satisfying to our souls to put work, effort, and time into something and then achieve something. But again, looking to Jesus, he starts with acceptance from God. He's nourished, filled up, and sustained by the things that give life to his soul. He knows the significance of who God is and what God has called him to do. And then Jesus stepped into doing stuff, into ministry. And Jesus preached the good news. He healed people. He raised from the dead. Uh, he cast the demons out. He discipled people. Jesus produced incredible fruit, but his acceptance wasn't tied to his achievements. His achievements flowed out of his acceptance from God. He continuously lived out the other three parts of this cycle of grace, connecting with his Father, engaging in sustaining activities, and acknowledging the significance of who he was, not just what he did. And it's important to note that the cycle of grace is just that. It's a cycle. And as we do the work of ministry, we become depleted and need to be filled up again. We have to be continually uh, make our way around the cycle, uh, being filled up by God before we pour out for others. And the problem is, though, that we typically do the same cycle, but we do it backwards. And that's called the cycle of works, where it starts with achievement. And for most of us, if not all of us, this is our natural tendency to make achievement the starting point. We put time and energy into working hard to make a difference in this world or for our family. In the church and in ministry, this can look like focusing on activities, outcomes, and even fruit. And then step number two, we go to significance. And then we sort of depend on our achievements to make us significant in the world. Uh, we may find ourselves attaching our identity to what we do and how good we are at doing it. Our achievements become idols, things that we sort of build our life or worth upon. And if they disappear or we can't produce to the same level, we feel like we're nothing. We feel unworthy. And then we get to step three, sustenance. And in this sort of backward cycle, if we achieve and are therefore significant, then we are worthy of being sustained. And we try to find sustenance to keep us going to get to the next step. And for missionaries and pastors, this can be a feeling that they have earned their support if they are providing a good return on the donor's investment. And then step four is the acceptance. And, and lastly, we sort of feel acceptance only if we have sustained and strived to make other things happen. And this acceptance is not unconditional because it is only based on the achievements and a job well done. And so naturally we ask, well, what if the person didn't achieve what they wanted to? Or if the job wasn't done well? Well, the short answer is obviously they won't feel accepted if this is the cycle they're in. And that is where we get messed up, and that's where our soul becomes exhausted. And this cycle of works is not a path to life. It leads to death in our souls. And so in an effort to care for your souls, and for you to care for your own soul, and maybe more importantly, to allow God to care for your soul, I want all of us, me included, to remember the cycle of grace. That God's path for our souls does not start with achievement, but with a deep and transforming love and acceptance of God. A love that is not conditional on anything we do or don't do. It's from this acceptance that we find our sustenance to keep us going. And then we find our significance in God, and then finally, achievements and ministry flow out of all of that. And Jesus would talk about the difference between the path that the world offers, the path of works, contrasted with the path that he offers, the path of grace. In John 4, he said, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Anyone who lives by the cycle of works that this world offers 
and claims to be fulfilling and meaningful will eventually lead your soul to being thirsty and dry. But verse 14, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. That anyone who lives by the way or the cycle of grace will find their soul regularly filled to eternal life, which interestingly, we won't be able to help but pass on to others. However, some of you, like me, may have identified yourself currently in that cycle of works, doing some of the steps backwards. Uh, some of you may find your souls exhausted because it's been two plus years of a pandemic and a long list of unprecedented events. Anyone ready for some precedented events? And so this morning, we're going to do something that might be a bit unusual, but I want to start this series with a moment of response. If your soul is exhausted, we're going to take a few moments to invite the Holy Spirit to give us whatever it is that our souls need. Now, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit of God to help us. And Jesus actually promised that we would have the Holy Spirit as our helper after he rose from the dead. And the Holy Spirit did come and has been empowering and refreshing Jesus' followers for 2,000 years. And so we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us whatever it is that our souls need. And I would invite you, if you feel comfortable, to sort of hold your hands out open and maybe resting them on your knees because we know that in many parts of our lives, the posture of our physical body impacts our minds and our souls. And so with your hands open, acknowledging you are dependent on God for acceptance and sustenance, with your hands open, I want you to ask to invite the Holy Spirit to help show you what you need. And when you feel like you know what that is, I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to give that to you. Uh, maybe some of us are tired and weary. Maybe some of us are troubled and broken. Maybe some of us are angry and bitter. Maybe some of us need to pray about relationships. Maybe we need the Spirit to show us how we can be a healing force in those relationships rather than delaying and waiting for the other people to change. Maybe some of us need our souls healed before we can deal with those relationships. Whatever you need, would you ask the Spirit for it right now? And if you'd like to, you can pray with me. You're welcome to pray. Holy Spirit, help my soul. Heal my soul. Fill my reservoir with your grace and love so I can bless others. Guide me. Direct me. Help me to live in the cycle of grace, not the cycle of works. Give me wisdom to know how to be a person of peace in a world of chaos. And God, would you please help each of those today who know that their soul needs some care? who are feeling exhausted and worn out, and maybe they don't feel like they have much to give to anybody else. Would you help them to see how you can replenish and give life, give eternal life to them? Would you help us to start in the cycle of grace and shift out of the cycle of works? And God, for those who maybe aren't sure about you and what they believe about Jesus and all that stuff, God, would you do something special in their soul as well? that they maybe are yearning and longing for something that they aren't sure what it even is, God, would you help meet them where they are? Would you help them to know first that they are a son or daughter of yours and that you love them no matter what and you came to fix the problems in their life and help them to have a relationship with you? God, would you do something in our souls, God? We look to you because we know that you really are the only one who can do something for our souls. Would you help us to turn to you first for our acceptance, for our sustenance, for our, our uh, significance, 
and also for the achievements that we want to try to do things for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.